Episode number 95. The big question for today is privacy dead. Pull that off. (laughs) All right, you ready? I'm Clay Lowe. And I'm Sarah Beth Hunt. You're listening to the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast. Where we get together once a week over coffee to talk about the big questions of life. Let's get into the show. Hey, welcome back. Hello. Another episode. Yes. In Havana Cafe. I'm yoga up. I've done two hours of yoga this morning with people, although it's all one-to-one sessions, so it's a bit more chill. And now I'm all like right. powering up with my coffee. Well, what's, a, so. what's a one-to-one yoga session like? Uh, it's good. I like it. I yeah. used to, you know Is it what? like Mr. Miyagi and I absolutely Daniel? used to hate when I was first teaching and like only one person would show up to my class. Right. But now it's good. So is it like... Because there's only supposed to be one, you know, I think when you're sort of waiting for more, it's like... Are you, oh. are you doing a Mr. Miyagi thing then, are you? Is it like that? Um, a lot of times people come because they've hurt themselves. Right. And they don't, they can't go into a big class because they need to be more careful. Ah, so they need something that's sort of more tailored to what's going on. Something a little um, more chill. Or they're just totally stressed. It's right. really rewarding. Yeah. Okay, now I could dig it. Yeah. Uh, one of the things for me with martial arts has always been I always wanted my own Mr. Miyagi. Like, I hate doing a class when you go to the big old classes of, it's like, I just want yeah, my Yeah, I'm one. not a Mr. Miyagi. No, you know? No. Well, I told you this week I was trying to, you know, get Mr. Miyagi status in my other yoga class with it's the big yoga class. I have about 25 people usually in my class, so it's big for me. Right. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, a moment when I said that we're not here to do poses and everyone started giving me the devil stare you know which which only spurred me on ah. to, to prove to them okay but, now um, check this out yeah i noticed that you've been posting a lot more on facebook and twitter and that is in direct opposition to the fact that you had this whole cambridge analytica and people are flocking away from i know i'm, facebook I'm, and you're I'm going not an you're i'm not an early adopter clay yeah. I'm, I'm always behind the curve so you're, this just proves the point you're a contrarian aren't you mm. so I now think. so now are you typical american type thing you know you get on after the train is gone no no you wouldn't be in this case because you're you're late there's a saying about americans is that we we, we get on the train after it started pulling away from the station, the station and we jump off before it arrives at the other one. Um, Basically, I think what's interesting to me about the question of privacy from a personal level, and I've been sort of getting a lot more into all the political stuff on my reading, but from a personal perspective, I think it's always been really hard for me to figure out what to share and what. Like, where's the line when you're online and you are talking to more than one person or one, like, a couple of people? You know, we all have WhatsApp, like, groups, which are still a very small number of people usually and usually quite close friends. Or you have, you know, you're communicating one-on-one on Messenger and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, you put something up on Facebook, you put something up on Instagram or on Twitter or whatever... It's been really hard for me to figure out how to just be me because there's two things that kick in. On the one side, I have the people-pleasing. You, you know, I did that thing. I've got a lot of green energy. I want, I want people to like me, and I want to make people feel good. Yeah. And so not that I have very much to say in counter to that, but I think that, you know, probably comes in. And then on the other hand... There's a lot of things that I, there's a dilemma that I come across a lot, which is that a lot of my personal reflections are in direct relation to stuff that's happened to me in my day. So say I meet up with a friend and we're talking about something that's going on for them and it makes me reflect on a bigger issue like, you know, the way illness affects us or the way death of a loved one affects us or the way that we struggle with, you know, our all kinds of relationships or just anything. Yeah. And then I feel like that's, even though my reflection is of a philosophical nature about, you know, what this means for us all, because rarely is our experience unique, I feel like putting it online is, you you know, you have to be careful because you're, you know, and this is an issue that hopefully we'll get into um, as, as far as 
you know, when you're online, the privacy issue is not just about you, but about what you're revealing about other people and, and respecting other people's privacy. So then, you know, there's there's yeah. that sort of thing that comes up too. And you were saying now your daughter has to. Oh yeah, she's she's got approval. She has to approve any yeah. picture I put up. But let's take it right back and we talk about yeah. privacy. What are we actually? What are we meaning? And what has it meant over the years? I guess in terms you tell of privacy. Me. Um, well, no, I just wanted to know what it means for you, privacy. So, okay, so if I ask it another way, do you feel like you have a right to privacy? And then what does that mean to you? I think that I do have a right to privacy. And for me, privacy, and there was a great article about this too, that basically it wasn't about secrecy. So it's not about keeping your secrets, but it's about the freedom and independence to decide what you want to share with whom, when, and how far that information goes. So privacy for me is also about, I say something to you, but I expect that that's not going to get passed on to whoever, everyone. But don't, once you put it out there, don't you lose control of that privacy? As in, I know people say they want to have their privacy, but once you post something on Facebook, you know, it's Yeah, well, that's there. the thing. Yeah, but I think that then privacy is about you deciding what you're going to post and what you're not. Right, but once you post it, you've lost control of it. Or if you tell me something in confidence that's meant to be private, I now, guess. Now, Zuckerberg will say that he doesn't want to sell your information. Right. And if you put it up... It will only be sent to people who you intend it for. Right. So, because I have a, I have a bunch of friends who are really into the whole sort of privacy thing, and. Um, what do you mean? As in, like, the government being able to read right. your emails, listen to, you know, your, you know, scanning the phone lines, looking for yeah. things that are bad to happen to not happen, but as a blanket surveillance type thing um, I have access to your personal emails I've got access to the conversations that you're having yeah. if you talk about CCTV you have no control over your image you have no idea what people are doing with the CCTV you were telling me that you know you normally go to your Orwell yeah well that's what that's all about yeah or yeah. birth anniversary uh, his birthday birthday yeah and then you, they the, some of the people there don't want you to take pictures of them. Yeah, some don't want pictures. Yeah. Um, you know, because again, want, like you're saying, so if I take a picture of you, yep, and I, you don't, you've lost control of that image. Yes. I can go post image. I can doctor the image. I can do lots of things to the image. Or I posted it now. Maybe you didn't want anyone to know that you were. You know, at all worlds grave, but now they know where you were at a particular time. But yep. it's the same thing with CCTV. So everywhere we're walking around here in Britain, there's all these cameras everywhere. So at any point in time, there's someone has access to looking at those. Well, images. and as soon as someone decides they want to hack into your phone, as soon as Apple gives permission to do that, I mean, they've been really good so far at saying no, but we're carrying around tracking devices with us all the time. Well, your computers and everything. I was looking at some stuff online with Siri's hackers. Siri's got her microphone going listening to you. And people are concerned about Alexa and Siri and where do they, where's that Yeah. That data going? Although Alexa, you know, Amazon would say, well, actually, nothing goes to Amazon until you say, hey, Alexa. Although it's recording like, uh, you know, it's got the last 60 seconds, it's recording continuously. But it never pushes the data out until but you as, search but for as, something you or know, you say her it, name. Have you seen the movie uh, Snowden? No. Okay, so Oliver Stone's done a film on Snowden, which probably a lot of people listening will have seen as well. And the whole point is that if you have a microphone that's active, if someone hacks into that, then they can listen in real time. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. So, so, the, so hackers can So hack it doesn't into matter whether that... I mean, in a way, it does matter whether someone's exporting that data in terms of storing it, but it doesn't matter. But the only problem with that is you have to get rid of your smartphone, you have to get rid of your yeah. smart TV. If you have any kind of mm-hmm. anything that's connected to any kind of Wi-Fi thing, I mean, you essentially would have to get off 
the grid. And, and as you bring up hacking, one of the things that's an issue is the internet of things. So your computers, you can get anti, you know, hacking devices and firewalls and things like that. And you can make your phone secure and stuff like that. But what companies don't do, if I make a smart refrigerator, right. um, they're not putting highly encrypted That's right. coding yeah. on those. So I can hack into your fridge to access your Wi-Fi and then Wi-Fi, of course, and I'm into your computer and on it can kind of go. So I think that's a thing that's actually, it is quite complicated. And for a lot of us, me included, who's not very techy and I've gotten better in recent years but it's uh it's hard to get your head around the like the web of what's going on because it's actually quite complicated there's this because there's that aspect and there's a whole bunch of other stuff um and one of the quote one of the um articles that I read is privacy dead in the digital era of mass surveillance this is by the um what's IB uh International Business Times, it is. But this is in 2016, so we're already, yeah. all, you know, two years old. But he basically, there's um, interviews with, like, security experts. So this one guy um, called Mikko Hyponen, whoever, whatever, basically said, every single person we communicate with, that information is tracked and saved. We have never had such a thing happen in the history of mankind, and we don't yet know what this level of tracking really means. And I really appreciated that line, because actually we can, I think there's, there's sort of two levels of it. It's where are the vulnerabilities now, and what does this mean for the future? You know, and, and, and actually we can't predict all the ways in which this data that's being stored now might be used in future. But that's the, I guess that's the big issue with the privacy and going back to what you originally said is you want to have control over what people do with your data and you should have the ultimate say in terms of what happens to Who gets to what that. data about me, yeah. Or who gets it and what they get to do with it. So, for instance, if you do have CCTV, so, you know, maybe the government's not doing anything with it, if you believe that necessarily. <laughs> but what if it gets hacked and someone gets in and they can get mm-hmm. that, that, that data? But I think there's two things, isn't there? It's like, listening to this stuff, I'm, I'm sort of a moderate conspiracy theorist. I don't mm. actually think that the government is listening to us right now. Do you know what I mean? Like, but, but, Did but you I say that so that they won't yeah. now start tracking us? Because they yeah. are listening. Well, basically, <laughs> basically, I think that you say the wrong things, you'll realize how much they're listening to you. Maybe. Yeah. And also, but I think the whole point is that things are being stored about us. And there's an article, I have to say, I'm a... I'm a but when you say stored, I'm just thinking, because there's a number, you know, you got companies and you got governments that are right. stored stuff on you. And, you know, so corporations, we have no idea what they're doing with your, with your data. Some of them are say, like, selling off your data as we're kind of getting with this... Um, Cambridge Analytica and others. It's not like they're the only company that's ever harvested people's data and they're selling it because lots of companies do do that. Um, I mean, your mobile phone, you're walking down the high street now, sometimes you get a text because you just walked past a store, Boots, or some other store, Water, not Wonderstones, Smith does sometimes, um, that says we got this sale on. So one, I guess we must have done somewhere said yes I give you permission to let any advertiser and I think that the thing the thing that's becoming like when I was doing the reading that I hadn't really considered before is that we have all these different companies and organizations that are taking data from us so you know even if you think about who's who's watching and collecting the data from the cctv camera in your town or in your area sometimes if it's at a bank then it's the bank directly sometimes if it might be the district council that's in charge of some of the cctvs on the streets you have of course big companies like facebook and google and you know blah 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 Amazon tracking information about you and all of these companies big and small who have data about you 
are vulnerable to the government coming in and saying, I want information about this person. And we're relying on that company standing strong with privacy laws and saying no. So like a couple years ago, there was a terrorist attack. They found this guy's phone. They couldn't get into it because it was encrypted. And so they took the phone to Apple and the US government demanded that Apple create a backdoor or, or decrypt what was in this guy's phone. Mm. And it was a big, big hoopla. And in the end, Apple said no, because this sets a dangerous precedent. If we either decrypt this one situation, you're going to suddenly flood us with requests. And secondly, if we create a backdoor, then I can't, we can't guarantee the privacy of our customers. Well, here's the thing. And, is and so, but, but that's Apple. Apple has a, a lot of power to be able to stand and push back. Does the district council in some town have that power when they're collecting data about you, about other stuff? I mean, you know. I guess the the counter to that, which I saw one of the things you sent to, the guy was saying, well, if you've got nothing to hide, why are you worried? Oh, I never said that. I know you didn't say it. No, no, yeah, but that's... Yeah, the article you've sent is the guy's counter to the fact that, well, what are you, you know, so what if the government asks for your data, you got something to hide, so why are you, Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. you have nothing to hide, why are you concerned about whether they're accessing your data. That's some people's counter-argument to that. Just a quick... Um, I was just going through my phone as as you were speaking to just... These are all the the various companies who were tracking my geolocation here via O2. Oh, you've got Costa. Well, Costa yeah, sent me course. something. Go Gastro. No, but I don't get these. Those. Um, you know, depending on where I'm at. Interesting. Get, what is this? Smart meters. I got something for a used car event. Wow, and, uh, you're getting a lot more than I am. Yeah, and then and then I have Waze as well, which was my um, thing that I use for sat nav. And if you when you stop, if you're near different places, you'll get these adverts come out. And then there's also mm. if you walk through some malls. I don't know if our one here is. But they have the cameras, they have the facial recognition. That while it's not taking your personal, personal data, as in they don't know it's Sarah, but they take your demographic of your face mm-hmm. and say, okay, she's a female of this age, yeah. show her this advertisement. So I'm using the data that I'm getting from right. my cameras of your face to feed you things that I'm pretty sure that you might buy. And I think one of the articles you sent, one of the arguments with the what companies are doing with your data is it does that take away our our autonomy yeah because i'll gather stuff off of you use these algorithms and then i'll influence which is what cambridge analytica would do i'll influence your political decision i'll influence your buy-in decision and if you're not conscious and you're not aware of these things then i'm manipulating you in that aspect and therefore your autonomy has been compromised because yeah. I have this data on you and I'm using that data against you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I asked myself this question in relationship to um, the whole sort of Cambridge Analytica and how give they us were... A, give us a two-minute reminder of what that is, just if oh, people the, haven't the, followed it. Well, if they haven't followed it, then that means that they're off the grid. <laughs> so if they're, if they're on the grid, I'm sure everyone has seen it either on TV but or... But it's quite a complicated a, thing, trying to understand about the relationship well, the, between yeah. Facebook and these apps and stuff is well, actually... Well, the big thing with that, I think, was just the fact that they got 50 million names. Apparently, they've harvested these, not just names, but the data on 50 million people, Facebook users. And the insidious thing was it is that they got it not... So if you took up... you, If you signed up for this particular app, I don't even know what the app was, um, they were having your data... But then they would go through your friends list and get their data and the data of that. So all the, so that person that got the app agreed to it, whether they read, they probably didn't read the fine print, realized that they were agreeing to have their data harvested by this company. But what they also didn't see, and what you didn't have any control over, if you was a friend of a friend that had the app, is that mm-hmm. they were harvesting the friend of a friend's who didn't give me permission. Yeah. to look at my data and they were getting their data as well so I think yeah. that was that's one of the big you know hoopla's is that not everybody whose data that they have gave permission for them to have that data yeah and then there's the whole issue of what they were doing with the data right. to try and influence the election 
and your how you were going to vote. Um, I don't think they were doing it so much for in this particular instance. Maybe they was you know, there's some other stuff that may come out, but it was specifically around influence and the way people were going to sort of vote. Um, but as I was listening to some of the interviews with the, the whistleblower guy, whose name is escaping me, just Jack Chris something, I think. Um, you know, they could, they have the the kind of data that they could have is they could say, well, the people that buy Nike shoes also do this, and I know that about you. Then I can serve up. And they basically were saying that they'll just keep feeding you the very thing that you based off of the data that they've harnessed off of you that's going to yeah. most influence you to do something do what they want basically vote how they want buy what they want you to buy yeah that sort of thing and that's where that autonomy thing comes back in again so if i'm yeah using this data to influence how you're going to vote how what you're going to buy what you're going to look at what you're going to listen to then we've got yeah potential so it issues i was listening because um I will admit that I'm a big fan of, um, or fan, maybe that's the wrong word. I have a lot of respect for Edward Snowden. And so, was, of course, when you type in privacy and is privacy dead, he is, you know, a big person that comes up as a speaker and advocate of, of privacy, particularly with the Internet. And um, basically, what it, the way that I understand it is there's sort of two big issues at the moment about people and, and whether we're talking government or we're talking companies looking at your data like what data is about you so one is metadata and so what so basically every google search that you do every phone call that you make through your service provider the government can access and sort of harvest that metadata so then they this doesn't mean listening into the phone call that you're making and what you're talking about. It doesn't mean that you go to a website and then what you do at that website. But there's metadata about the fact that you have visited this website. You have made a phone call to this person. So it's on a bigger level. And, mm. and what that means over time and exactly what you're talking about when you're looking at lots of people that metadata takes on a lot of significance and it can tell a really personal story about you. So if you take a big look at all the websites that you visited and the frequency in which you visited them and over the past year. On, what you clicked on and, and how you long you stayed and, on the site. Right. Yeah. So all of those things, they're not actually recording your voice. They're not actually... But they are doing that. Well, that, the, but I mean, yeah. at, at this level, what's interesting about this is that nobody needs a warrant to do this. So the government can, at any time, without accessing any kind of courts, harvest this data about any private citizen, U.S. or otherwise. Um, and actually, it can do a lot more to non-U.S. citizens, although who knows what they're doing. Yeah. So there's that. The other thing is then when you're talking about data about what's in your WhatsApp chat, what's in your Facebook post, what's in your conversation on your phone. So that's like your real personal data. Yeah, the, the and messages the, and, and stuff that you type. Exactly. Yeah. So like the content, basically. Yeah. Then that issue is, is a bit of a different one in that if things are encrypted, as they are becoming more and more, not by law, but by the technology yeah. services... So if they have end-to-end -end encryption like Dropbox does and WhatsApp does and all this kind of stuff, then when the government wants to access this information, they can't. So they have to go to the company and say, we want you to decrypt or you know uncode this, just like they did with the phone. Yeah. yeah. So we're sort of relying on companies to say no to that. But as we've seen, and this, and I and suppose Yahoo this is the Cambridge, exactly, <laughs> Yahoo didn't, and then yeah. of course this is the, Cam the Cambridge Analytica thing, yeah. is that this kind of data about us can be harvested by backdoor things. And actually what Edward Snowden was, was pointing out in a recent interview was that governments are actually funding companies to create holes in the internet that, and this is where my understanding of this kind of goes a bit wonky because I don't get this tech stuff really. Yeah. But there's sort of, in order to spy, in order to 
supposedly prevent terrorist attacks, blah, blah, blah. They're paying for companies and supporting companies to create back holes in the internet, which actually then is about hacking into these things in secret. And as long as these companies are continuing to do that and there's a marketplace, even if it's a sort of secret marketplace for this stuff to happen, then I think, you know, we're all vulnerable. And again, like you're saying, you can go back to that, well, I have nothing to hide. But, um, you know, Jonathan on our Facebook post gave us that really important Edward Snowden quote that was like saying, you don't believe in freedom of um, privacy. Was it, wasn't it? I, I need to get it back so I can quote it exactly. Mm. But it was like, you know, you don't, you don't not believe in this right because you have nothing to hide. That's like saying you don't believe in the, in the freedom of speech because you have nothing to say. Mm. Like, the, you know, yeah. this is not a... That doesn't make sense, basically. It's not... It, it doesn't, and it does, or it can do, in the sense of... So... There's a, so there's a couple of bigger questions for me. One, I guess a question would be, well, why does a government want to have it anyway? So they may tell us that it's to keep you safe, so that we can spy on terrorists and things like that, but to give them open access, why do they want that data? So that's would be the big overarching question to me. I don't know if you know about the... Um, and we'd have to look, get the, the links for this, but in the States, from a crime thing, they were using some of the technology that they had um, in Afghanistan um, to be able to locate... So if someone blew up a car, because they were, had this, this jet, or jet, big, giant airplane flying over and he's taking satellite pictures the whole time they could basically if you blew up something I can go back and recreate all the way up and then I can follow where you are basically they can right, they're okay. able to yes 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 ask, access these pictures in real time to to the point to where you did it and then follow you from there so they there was a city in the states that was trialing this so they were flying and people don't know this, this is a, I guess this is the thing is that you're not letting citizens know that I have an aircraft over the, in the sky and it is surveilling the whole of yeah yes it thwarted some crimes or allowed them to catch some criminals but it's like well I'm not a criminal but you have my stuff and I don't know what you're doing with my stuff I guess that's yeah, where people yeah. get upset is it just this this massive collection of data that I have on you that I don't know what you're going to do with it or whether someone's going to hack in it and what are they going to do with it um, in that sort of sense um yeah let's take a quick break what was there an end to the story about this like that they trialed this in the city oh I think it was a big up up, again, it was a big uproar, and rightfully so. People's concerned yeah. citizens would, you know, why, why would you, you know, where, what is the end to this? Because yeah. again, for me, it's, yeah. it's, you know, there is a story that says, well, it's for our, your security and things like that, and we can reduce crime, but it's like, well, then it's kind of a really blanket, there's a lot of power that you get from that. So am I re- willing to trade my security? For my privacy and what and that's gonna... a that's a theoretical security because actually a lot of the stuff is not necessarily yeah but that's very what effective I'll, yeah. at... and and that's what I'll, I'll use to to sell you on the fact that we need or that we need these that's surveillance right. pieces and you know yes um, yeah let's take a break yeah take a quick break all right so while we are uh, waiting for our coffees to return let's let people know how they can help us in terms of growing the podcast and getting the word out there about what it is that, that we're doing here? So, if you could take a few minutes to support the podcast by leaving a review on iTunes, that would be the best thing that you could do for us right now. I think it would be, yeah, be awesome to... Because one, one, I know we've, you know we've had these little commercials in, the, in between times saying, help us to grow, and these are the different ways that you can do it. iTunes, of course, is one. Or indeed, whatever. I mean, if you're on Spotify or if you're on any other, whatever your RSS feed are listening on to, it would be great for you to um, be able to give us a review on that to help us grow for one. And then if you'd like in the podcast and you think there's other people who would enjoy being a part of the conversation and the whole sort of share thing and the like thing would be great. 
and the engagement within the, within the group as well. You know, getting yep. more engagement there. And we do have uh, episode number 100 looming. And we looming? That's looming. how it's, you mean... Uh, it's looming. <laughs> <laughs> you mean on the horizon. Yes. Yeah. So I have this theory that, you know, we went back to, I think the first time we sat down, episode one, all those years ago, not that many years ago, uh, we talked about the ultimate question, which we sort of put down as like, what's the meaning of life? We had a big, you know, Sarah and Clay moment. Um, But I'd like to return to that for the hundredth episode in the sense that I think I have one kind of big question that I feel like has been the big driver for my life. It's like the thing that I want to find an answer to or an understanding to or something like that. And I kind of have the suspicion that everyone has something like that, that, that it's going to be different for everybody. Although probably a lot of crossover about, you know, some of the big mm. issues. But uh, yeah, what I want to do is find out what people's big questions are. Like if you have a question that you feel like is driven your life or is driving you at the moment in terms of anything from purpose to, you know, whatever. Then, um, yeah, I've got a, a Facebook post on there. So get people that dropped it on the yeah, Facebook post. Literally, you can do that. If you don't want to be on Facebook now because of privacy issues, drop it to then, us on Twitter, email yep, it to us. Email it to us. So you can email me um, at sarah at sarahbhunt.com or at clay at claylow.com. Um, yeah, and just send us uh, your one question because I think for episode 100, we'd like to sort of use some of your questions in the conversation to talk about the big questions that people have in their life. Sweet. All right, let's get back to business here. Okay, so is privacy dead? Um, And you mentioned about metadata um, before the break, and then I was just looking at my phone, and if you go into your photo apps, you know, one of them is you can look at it by geography, like where I've taken pictures at, and I take a lot of pictures in this one area, I mean, yeah, it can, well, you can see where I've been and how many pictures I've taken in whatever location. And, of um, course, identity theft is becoming a real thing. So that's is part of the problem of privacy and well, stuff. I was going to say, we haven't even gotten to that. I mean, that's yeah. like the criminals who can, you know, part of the, yeah. um, when we talk about, so, because you would, I guess, if you're saying, is privacy dead? And then if companies have my data, why am I worried if, if it gets out? And, and that's one of the concerns is we don't know what people are going to do with the data. Am I still here? I, you know, sell it off to, um, you know, the unsavory underworld. And then they use my data to open up credit cards and run my credit up and You know, even, even it sounds, you know, sort of sometimes I feel like these conversations become too abstract for me. But actually, if you think about somebody can access where you've been and what pictures you've taken. And then at some point, they can come up to you either personally or online and say, hey, Clay, remember we met at that place. Hmm. And how many times do you just forget somebody or something? I, I do it all the time. You know, you have a conversation with someone a year or two ago and somebody could come up to you and if they have enough information about you they could probably convince you and of course we don't want to pretend you know we don't yeah. want to say that you've forgotten somebody or whatever so you know these are kind of things that and that's just and that's low tech stuff there because yeah. I, I did um, for a couple of companies that I've done some work for was on uh, protecting your identity identity theft basically and fraud um, and it's low-tech stuff that a lot of these guys will use to get your info as well so you know like in the UK is you know there's some you know the big phone companies so one of the things they were doing were calling to because they know they have call centers and they're going to get a different person each time they call in they would just call in multiple times and piece your information together through that um, by you know because people naturally want to help so they would ask a question and sometimes the agent would give them the info just because they, they'll feign like they're struggling or they're older and they're um, just having a hard time or a hard day and the person wants to help and they'll give them some data. Then they might fail a little bit. Then they'll just call back. Now they've got another piece of the story and they continue to do that. And the other thing, as you were just mentioning about, you know, like, for instance, the camera there. And I just, one of my experiments that I did when I started doing it because I thought, wow, this is interesting. I was doing this down in London 
And every day I would get on the train at the same time. And pretty much if you do that over a period of time, you get to know the different people. They get off the same stop. So there was this uh, one lady that got on the stop at Bista North, I guess it was, or somewhere like that. Um, every day, same place, sat in the same seat, because I sat in the same sort of seat. But she's always working on her computer and up. And people tend to think that they're just in their own world and no one can see. So, and just what you said there, um, one, I got her name. I didn't ask her, but I could see it on her computer. Um, then, of course, you could go to LinkedIn, which is where I went. And then I saw other things. I, I was able to piece together different places that she's been. And I've seen an event that she'd been to. And like you said, if I was one of these fraudsters, I could have orchestrated a conversation there and said, hey, remember that thing when we were at in Oxford? Um, and then started having a conversation. One, because I had a lot of data from her from online. And then, yeah. you know, then the stuff that she just openly has open on the public train. Um, well, here's the thing. Another thing about privacy, because there's a lot of conversation about privacy now. You know, you have like it, you know, kicked off with the Internet stuff with Edward Snowden. Then we have like all this Apple stuff and Google and I think you said it kicked off then, but I'm no, just but thinking, well, I'm just thinking about not. 1984 and things like that and you know, oh, yeah, some, yeah, yeah. I mean it's been yeah, around yeah. for a while in yeah, yeah. identity, but yes. So people maybe start there's, to get there's more a, I, I feel like there's two sort of competing trends at the moment. One is that there's you know we have this new EU law coming in. Yeah. GDPR. G- yes, exactly. Um, that, of course, everybody in the world is going to have to abide by if they want to interact with EU citizens. Um, and, you know, so there's a lot of conversation about privacy and efforts being made either through law or company-wise to keep their people, stuff private, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But then on the other hand, you have a whole new generation of people who seem to not value privacy very much. And so, I think so that's why this I asked you the question of what does privacy actually mean to you? Yeah. Well, so basically, there, you know, in this article that I read, and this is from 2016 again, so this is like slightly old news, um, they had another security expert saying, for this next generation, this is the quote, for this next generation, they have lived their whole lives where you pay for content in the real world with money, and you pay for content in the online world with your privacy. And they assume that that is normal. So everything online, content online, that is free, essentially. And we're used to accessing a lot of free content. You know, the, the time when we're paying for, um, you know, the news and stuff by buying your newspaper is so far gone. There's a lot of people that don't even remember it. Um, but there, there seems to be this developing understanding that of course you're you're giving your data and everyone knows that their data is now being taken from them but it's sort of like well that's the price we pay for getting all this content online so you know what we've always done that though what do you mean i mean so your data is is worth money but it's worth money to who yeah advertisers and people have been advertising to us forever radio tv so same thing getting data before maybe had to get data in a different way but i was still collecting data on you we could tell how many people and what demographic was buying so much easier now though and there's so much more of it and there's going to become ais that can process this data like that's the other thing that we don't know what this means because right now i think this then maybe calls a question not so much about well two things maybe link back this to our consumerism there's only an issue with all the advertisers wanting to get stuff so they can sell you stuff because we want to buy things. And so, yes, let me get the data so I can get the demographic right so I can tell you that, you know... Or, or we want Coca-Cola people to vote a certain way. Or, or vote or a certain way. Or, you know, but so then you're talking political stuff and, you know... But, and, but that's nothing new, I guess, I, I suppose. I guess what I'm saying yeah. is nothing, yeah, it's yeah, nothing yeah. new. I guess, yeah. yes, but they've got different ways of connecting it. And maybe people are... Maybe the insidious thing is that we're becoming more desensitized to it. Like, I don't actually pay attention to it. Like, everybody's got a smartphone. Yeah. And everyone's saying, well, I don't... Yeah, I, got, I was having a conversation about Alexa. Well, I don't like Alexa because, you know, it's... Just listen. Like, well, you got a phone in your pocket that has Google. Hey, Google on it, and Hey Siri on it. So you're carrying around 
an Alexa in your pocket. So, you yeah, know, yeah. it's got a webcam on it. You got a computer or a laptop with a webcam on it. So, how can you be anti Alexa, but you're carrying these devices that got yeah. GPS that, you know, as you just saw? It's because people don't understand it really well. I mean, I certainly didn't really. Well, do, do we not understand it or do we. We like the modern convenience. I like having a phone yep. and to have a phone and to be a part of a consumer society. To, I like buying things. So, you know, we create it as individuals. We create this condition to e- exist because... So then getting back to our... Unless we're saying yeah, that the autonomy thing is that, you know, you we're controlled by corporations because they tell you what to think, tell you what to feel or how to feel, tell you what success is and so you're no longer an autonomous being you are just a consumer that's manipulated by governments by corporations by because you don't necessarily understand yourself because you're just looking for the zombie apocalypse no do you know what i would be really interested in because i think we talked before about amazon and algorithms and the fact that the reasons some of the reasons why they can get to this stuff the next day um, it's because they pre-predict. They pre-predict pre- what you're going to buy. Well, they predict what you're going to buy and yeah. when you're going to buy it. So sometimes they stage the trucks or get the item closer to you so as soon as you do hit the buy button. So what I would like to see, I would like to see one of these, because in a sense they know you better than you know yourself because they've got all this big data that they're able to manipulate through algorithms that's gonna, that predicts your behavior, behavior that you're maybe not even aware of. Yeah. Do you know? I think that would, for me, that would be the interesting thing. I would love to see who I am for these from the people. other side. Yeah. yeah. I would like to look through the algorithm's eyes and say, oh, yeah, that's Clay Lowe. Look, I know that he's going to do this and he's going to do that. I mean, if you think about it, you're talking about um, privacy. We both have GPSs on our phones. Yeah. I don't know if you've got yours on, which yep. you probably do do. Yeah. So really, that data and that we come to this place at this particular time near about, you know, you've got a couple of years worth of data and which kind of way that we've come into this place and space to sort of be here. Then throw on top of that the CCTV cameras from the car park, whichever one we've gone to to walk here. So there's all of that. Plus, the if we're using our credit card, you know, or our debit card or whatever, so the spending habits, so that's there. I mean, even, you know, you probably, if you're in the UK, you'll probably get a birthday card from Tesco's or Sainsbury's with, on your birthday because they got access to everything that you bought over however so many here, periods of time. So here's a question. Going, like, taking this then out of the realm of, like, big privacy into what do you share about you, Clay, and what do you... Is there things that you feel strongly about not sharing online? See, I was thinking about this earlier today, and I'm, I would say I share a lot, but I'm not an oversharing. And how I would differentiate that is I share a lot of stuff, but it has a, a certain narrative. Like, I don't generally talk about politics. Mm-hmm. I don't generally moan or whine about stuff. Um, and I don't generally do the woe is me thing. So most of the stuff I'll post will be things that either to entertain or to perhaps inform or perhaps to get someone to think about something else. So things that make you go, hmm, kind of thing. So there's a specific narrative to the stuff that um, So what have you seen in terms of like your kids and posting online? Well, see, I, interestingly enough, both of my kids are not your typical Generation Z. Like Brittany doesn't really care that much about online. I mean, she's on Instagram. She doesn't do that much on Facebook these days, but they tend to, at the moment, uh, it's Instagram, but it's just posting pictures. There's not a lot of words mm-hmm. or thoughts going on. And Devin's even less so. He's barely on it um, in relationship to posting things. We, in fact, we have a hard time even... We have, a, like, a family messenger thing, mm-hmm. and it's hard even getting him to respond to the family stuff with the messenger. Um, so there. That sounds pretty much typical for an early twenty-something-year-old guy. Yeah, but inter- but yeah, I guess with his friends, he's probably more active on those that that space, the messenger bit. But then again, he spends a lot of his time on the gaming, so it may be a different. Right. Yeah. You know, so yeah, all yeah, of the okay. sort of 
um, online gaming bits and stuff in that space. But yeah, so um, I don't even remember what your original question was. Well, it's just, it's just the question of like going back because there's sort of the big question about privacy. And mm. then there's also the question about how we feel as as a lot of this socializing happens on social media mm. and we keep connected with friends that are it's really nice to keep those connections that we may not have had in a world which didn't have social media but then you know what do you share and what do you not share and and for me well, here's the thing yeah. and, and maybe people and, and you're right what do you share and what don't you share and I suppose there's a couple of things that I'm thinking about here one it's all a voluntary thing, so you don't have to be on any of these platforms. Yeah. Because you could just text or you could mm -hmm. just send a letter, but we want to participate in these things. Um, and so I think there's, you know, there's, I guess there's that aspect of it f for me that you're there, but no one's making you be there. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's it's like you said. So this so I mean, some people get on and they just share everything. See, I feel like for me, I'm not. I never have thought of myself as a very private person. Yeah. But we have so many levels of how much we share, depending on how close we are with people. So with people with my that are my close friends, I don't really have a big privacy issue, and. There are people that do, you know, there are people that even with their close friends are very private individuals and yeah. sometimes stuff's going on and you don't even know about it. Um, but when you post something online, it's almost like you have to post or share something at the level of the person that you're least close to. Do you know what I mean? So you wouldn't share something that you aren't willing almost strangers to know about you. Well, some people would. Some people would. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? Everyone's got to make that decision. Yeah. I think that's the sort of interesting thing about privacy online and stuff is, you know, if from a personal perspective rather than like who has what data about me perspective. Um, yeah, it's sort of... But I suppose you can look at it from... Um, and again, if we, you know, if you look at the darker side of life, if you put a lot of things online then you make it easier for someone to understand who you are and then you become maybe vulnerable to tricksters or someone that wants to defraud you because they'll have an idea but i don't feel like for me that's not what i'm worried about when i, I don't know just, what i am just, worried about but i'm yeah. just saying that's one of the things that yeah. people could do in relationship to the stuff that you kind of share mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um i think maybe some of the things that list what, reading your post the other day talk about yeah, privacy yeah, yeah. um that you might it might tie back into the that conversation we had about identity identity and how Facebook and Twitter and social networks are shaping or changing our identities mm. because I'm going to post like you said before like you know I want people to like me and stuff so in my mind yeah, perhaps yeah. I'm having a conversation how will people react to it yep. so yep. then you post only that and but then how it shapes you is that then people react to that so they're reacting and then you reinforce yeah. it so your identity becomes that very thing that people reinforce you to have yeah 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 um, and then you know there's there's yeah, that yeah, yeah. You, know, it's, you know how how much of our identities then get tied up into our social yeah. sort of networks. You know, and someone on, on so I put up this post um, on our uh, Facebook page and in the discussion group, I think, um, about my struggles with sharing online and what to share and what not to and asking what other people do about this. And, and there were some people that said, I'm actually quite happy to only share the happy random pictures, mm. you know, and that gets a lot of slack. Like that gets a lot of, oh, then Facebook only shows you a really fake slice of life because everyone just puts up their happy stuff. But I think in a way I can understand that there's, there's nothing actually wrong about that, that when you're sharing with a group of people, which includes sort of unknown people, there might be a certain level that you go, well, if a stranger 
walked up to me or we were both waiting in the line at Costa or waiting outside the school gates or something to pick up your kids and they ask, how's it going? You're not going to give them your woes, really. You're going to say, it's fine. That's the level of sharing we normally do with strangers. But then, you know... Yeah, but would you tell a stranger that you had coffee at, at Havana? Yeah. What do you mean? As in, we'll post stuff like that on yeah, Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Like, but would you go into the bank and you're standing like, hey, I just had a, a, a well, a only coffee, because I assume that nobody, I assume hey, nobody is. The picture, yeah. what I'm, what I'm I assume at. nobody cares. But because I, yeah. I think coming to what you were saying in terms of we only show the, again, where's my identity at? So sometimes if I'm looking at, and all these people seem to have better lives than I have, yeah. I guess that's what. The, well, and I think then there was someone else. Yeah. So then. Rachel sort of posted, I think, about how she feels like it's really important to also share some of the like struggles online as well. And so, you know, then you have a, a sort of Is there of another question to ask? Well, why are people posting in the first place? Yeah, let's stick with privacy. That's a whole big can of worms. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but it could yeah. be that we're just social creatures and we want yeah. to belong to the herd and this is a way to bring yeah. us closer to other people. So that's, you know, cause I saw that bullet point we talked about last week that the internet is real life. People call it virtual, but it's actually real. I mean, you're interacting yeah. with real people. And, yeah. you know, we always give kids a hard time saying, oh, they're on the internet, they're not learning social skills. But I think that's completely wrong because... They're not talking to the machine. They're talking to another individual. So they're having yep. to interact with people. They're having to have yep. the same, you know, well, they're having real interactions with folks. Um, and so, yeah, so it's then, well, why, why are people posting to begin with? You know, we flipped the dial back, you know, years when we were growing up. And there was no internet. What did we do then? I guess your circle of people that you shared things with was smaller yeah because it's just going to be based on the people that you were able to see and or sort of touch or whatever community that you were in so you don't guess you don't have that globalness of it um so yeah i mean there's a yeah there's a number of different elements to this i think um and i think from a privacy point of view personally i'm 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 probably i'm well, I'm pretty open on the internet, but I said I do have, you know, I don't, I'm not interested in the politics thing, so I don't post about that. And we haven't even touched on, and I know I'm kind of going all over the place here, but we haven't touched on what's your reason for being on social network. Like, we both, you know, are self-employed, and so partly being on these social networks has an element of... Um, the sort of marketing by getting to build relationships with people and people get to know you and that kind of thing because they buy from people that they know, like, and trust, that sort of space. We do a podcast that we want people to listen to, so we're online and having conversations there because we want them to listen to the podcast that we have because we could just do this podcast and listen to it to ourselves and entertain ourselves um, so I, you, know, I, you know there's probably multiple reasons we could have the conversation I'm not <laughs> sure I'd listen back to it <laughs> you know there's like multiple aspects of the well, why are you online in the first place yeah. and then, then what do you then share and are you trying to build a brand you know, and the case, reality is, is is the benefits that you get from sharing the drawbacks are that you're putting a lot of stuff out there that is being stored and, and that has a, a repercussions on your level of privacy. Yeah. And, just, that's, yeah, you and, know, and what's that's your level of comfort with that? Yeah. Because another thing that I do, and I know we probably need to get ready to end this conversation, is like I do a lot of street photography. So there's a whole other area in terms of privacy and people's image. So you can't take a picture of someone in a place where they reasonably would expect privacy, but if they're in a public space and, you know, and they're in your picture, they're in your picture, I don't have to get permission to post that picture. I don't think you can do it, turn it into a commercial thing, but there's no... If you're in a public space, then, you know, in fair essence... Game. Yeah, well, you're fair game, but then, you know, I guess you can flip that around. You haven't given that person permission to post your picture and who knows what's going to happen to it even if they post it and someone else has it and what are they going to do with it mm-hmm. um, you know there's been instances where people have found themselves on advertising that someone's just taking a photo and turned them into a t-shirt I think it was one one guy 
And then he found out, and he's like, whoa, hey, that's me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so there's, I guess there's all this aspect of, so, and, and I, best, I guess we start off the question with, is privacy dead? And I would probably answer that with, yes, it's dead. Be, and yeah, I think it's just completely dead. I know we're fighting for little scraps of having some kind of control. GDPR is coming out. But you know what? Once that, you don't know... And I've worked inside of enough call centers. You can have all the data protection that you want in your life, but there's people that work on the inside of these things, and they see that information, and you don't know what that individual is doing. Yes, if they got caught doing something with it, they would get fired, but they're doing something with it potentially. Well, I think that's the whole point. As technology changes, then encryption changes, and then you have end-to-end encryption. And then the people who are on the other end of the phone don't actually have access to that data. So how could I process something, the viewers, without seeing it? So I'm just thinking, for instance, with banks and things like that. Well, and so they only ever ask you certain amounts of your information. They the put them do. in. Yeah. Yeah. So they put those in. Like, you know, they'll ask you for your first, third, and seventh. Now, I didn't mean to the security bit. I meant the person on the other end who you give your security to, they've now pulled up your account. So oh, I see your know. name, yeah. Yeah, yeah, got yeah. your date of birth, yeah, yeah, I got yeah, your yeah. address, I know how much money you make, I got your yeah. credit card number, yeah, yeah, I got yeah, your expiration yeah, yeah. date. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I got all sorts of data. Yes, right. the company can't store it, but what are you doing about the individual yeah. who's looking at it and can see it and, you know, yeah. trusting that they or just being a good call rep <laughs> yeah. um, and from that, that end. Um, so, yes, okay, we can go on and on about that. But my short answer is that, yes, privacy is dead. Um, if you're connected, to, if you go outside your house, you forfeit in your, and even in, if you got smartphones, smart TV, smart refrigerators, any internet connection. I think the thing is, though, when you say cameras, it's dead, then there's no like impetus to try and protect it. And yeah, but I you think, can because it'll make you feel better, but the information well, is still I, out there. But I think also we, we do need to be vigilant about supporting laws, questioning power about these kind of issues because actually if we just all threw up our hands, the government would just take all our information, then who knows what we would do with it. And I get you, but what stops them from doing it anyway, which they've been doing all along anyhow? Yes, we're can be as vocal as we want to be vocal and well ask there for are more things though that stop laws. them technically well technically it stops the level of government that you see <laughs> doesn't necessarily stop the level of government or power exactly but when when see. the when the fbi wanted apple to decrypt that phone they couldn't get that information and Apple didn't give it to them so they didn't have that information so there are things but that didn't stop them from hiring people who do kind of crack things for a living um, to try no it doesn't it doesn't but it doesn't give them automatic access and I think that's the whole point isn't it but they were looking for a speedy way to do it but no one's asking the question well why are you looking at it but they were just wanting an expedient method to get it Mm. So there's a bigger question as in, should you be asking for that information anyway? Yeah. They just wanted a quick way. So I, I don't know. I think there's... Um, I would say contested. I would say privacy is not dead. It's contested and we need to keep sort of thinking about it, I guess, and, and, and making it And you know why I say issue. privacy is dead? And I did... Yeah, part of the thing that I was thinking, I was like, well, what could I find about Sarah that she doesn't know that I know? Just from Google Ooh. searches. Um, on that um, and I won't reveal your privacy now <laughs> but you'll be amazed you'll be amazed at stuff and, as, and again it comes back to what are people doing with your sort of data and if you do searches, what are you doing with my data well, I'm not doing anything you're asking yourself what are companies doing with your data or charities or any other thing you've interacted with yeah. at some point in time doing with your data and you know if you're very sophisticated with your search and use the right sort of search methods it's easy to find a nugget about someone yeah which is why i'm saying it's dead in the sense it's not dead if you become a complete recluse and you go into the mountains and you're completely off the grid no phones know nothing, don't look up into the sky, be Gene Hackman and enemy of the state, 
then privacy is alive for you. <laughs> but the moment you wake up in the morning, your feet hit the floor, and you touch that mobile phone, done. You know, your data's out there. And yes, there's laws that says protect it, but again, there's a fallacy as in somebody can see that data on some end, and you don't know what that person's doing with that data until they get caught. On that happy note. Yes. See you next time. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We really enjoyed bringing you the episodes over the past two years. We have a goal for 2018 to grow our audience, our, our community of contemplators like you, and we'd really appreciate your help. In fact, there's a few things that you can do quite easily that would really help us out a lot. One is by sharing it with other friends that you think might enjoy listening to the show. Another is going to iTunes and giving us a review, which will boost the algorithm and put the show out in front of more eyes that um, can, people can come across it. And you can financially support the show by going to the contribution section of our website. Thanks a lot.